0: folks, and welcome to Typology, the show in which we explore the mystery of the human personality through the lens of the Enneagram. I'm Anthony Skinner, producer of the show, and we are celebrating season one and nearly two million downloads with a best of series. So for five weeks, we are revisiting some of our best interviews, our favorites, your favorites, the most downloaded interviews. This week we have the panel of twos with Andrew Greer, Jeff Little, and Tia Coffee. This is a great episode and um, we all have a lot of fun here in the studio. Um, and it's a rich, rich conversation, so you're sure to enjoy. Ian will go around the room and do uh, some more personal introductions, so I'll leave that uh, to Ian. Be sure and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at typology podcast. You can follow Ian on his Twitter at Ian Cron and his Instagram is at Ian Morgan Kron. Well, I know you're sure to enjoy. So let's get to the interviews. And now here's your host, Ian Cron.
1: Hey typology tribe, welcome to this week's episode with a panel of twos. Now, I want to say this about panels. Um, What I have learned uh, in in recent years is just how powerful it is when people of a particular type really speak about their own experience ensemble, you know, together, just talking about what it's like to be their you know, their personality type. Uh, Nobody articulates it better. And I'm so excited to have twos. This is, I think this is my first panel of twos. Andrew Greer. Hey, buddy. Can't can't wait to get right on that mic. Would you Yes. Get, get right up on that thing? Right. So, Andrew, songwriter, mm-hmm. uh, you too are a podcaster. You have a new thing going on with Mark Lowry. That's right. Called. Yeah, called
2: Dinner Conversations. Right. So, yep, having a lot of dialogue around the table. We've, we felt like mealtime was the best time to get people into a safe place right. for communion through conversation.
1: One of my favorite voices in Nashville. Oh, you're, you're, that's you're, sweet. You're a multiple... Uh, Dove Award Nominated Singer Songwriter Wonderful Beautiful Christmas show Every single You and Cindy Morgan Are mutual Mm friends Cindy mm -hmm. Yeah Um, you
2: actually Won a Dove I think See, my two-ness Continue. won't allow me Continue. to win one. My two-ness won't I, I can't win one. Everyone else <laughs> My 3
1: will encourage me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. My 3 wins You will say, did. What, you
2: remember that year. Yeah, it was you and Cindy were up for at the same time for I, a song y'all had written for. It was kind of like on a whim, too, that she had cut it, right, for Laura's Story. Or maybe you had written it for her. I don't no, know. No, we wrote it for her. But it was unusual that it was nominated or something. I can't remember. Cindy was just like, wow, we're nominated. And then, wow, we won. I didn't win any that year. <laughs> i said but i love Yo, i'm not laughing at him if you saw his face right now you
1: would know why i'm kind of giggling
2: <laughs> but yeah so you too
1: are a wonderful songwriter wow. laborious but good yeah <laughs> <laughs> my other friend jeff little uh jeff gosh fundraising development dude from vanderbilt university yes we first met at the wild goose festival is that right
3: we did even even before that, we spent a little time at Greenbelt in uh, the countryside of, like, Great Britain. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And wow.
1: We, that's a long time ago.
3: Yeah. But, you know, over time, I wore you down and we became friends. <laughs> and it took a couple of more domestic, like, uh, United States-based meetings. But we, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, we know a lot of people from odd spots. Yep. And, and, I look, I read... I read Chasing Francis way back, like way back when it came out Mm, and uh, you were just
1: 13 or 14.
3: He does look the same as when uh, I first met him 20 years ago. um, So anyway, this is a real treat for me to be on this with you and, and everybody, but I love, I just love the weird ways that everybody's paths, Mm. at least around Nashville, it seems like there's so many layers to relationships over time. So this is really fun for me.
1: Yeah, that's true. And Tia, we're new friends. Mm-hmm. You are, uh, I love what you have down here that you wrote about yourself, that you're, you're the contentedly uncool loud laughing mom of three teenagers is this your bio is this like did you come up with this it's fantastic (laughs) that you spend your work days as an executive assistant your evenings as a student and your free time drinking wine (laughs) (laughs) Uh, hiking having Uh, theological conversation yeah no okay whatever that's the one that uh and or hanging with your kids in an anxious chihuahua named napoleon That's pretty great. That's pretty good copywriting, too, I might add. Thank you. Yeah, well done. Well, welcome to all three of you. Y'all are twos on the Enneagram. Helpers, uh, sometimes called the givers. Um, Twos are in that heart triad. Right. Twos, threes, and fours. These are people who are all about the space of feelings, mm-hmm. feelings, okay. feelings. We're with you there. Yeah, yeah. baby. We're going to have a, I'm a four. I'm in the heart. We're going to be slushing around in feelings in here today. Put your wellies on kids because we're going to be flow We're going to be waiting in some feelings. here. But I didn't want to be a
2: feeler. No, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I didn't. I know. And I, I, just in life, when I finally admitted to myself, I had feelings and that I often wore them externally, you know, <laughs> that was like a, no. Oh, I can't be that person. My mother was so, you know, uh, she had so much of a handle on her emotions. Really? And, oh, yeah. And people loved her and respected her and wanted to be around her. She's not stoic. She's extremely sweet, genuine, sincere, but literally can walk away from a situation. Uh, can, can discern someone as unhealthy for her life. And not think about it again and not think she owed them something, they owe her something or whatever. You know, so anyway, but my dad's a therapist, so I came right. from that. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so that
1: worked that out. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so I've screwed. screwed. Solved that yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I got screwed. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay, well. That's a, we're going to jump right in on that in just a second there. Cause that was like just holding out the chum for the All the fish are jumping out of the water at it, you know? Yeah. Fantastic. So yeah, we're in this heart space twos, the givers, these folks are, are, are people who see a world in which you need to give to get, um, to see a world in, in which, um, they, they need to meet the needs of, others and veil their own needs or deny even or even acknowledge their own needs because they think that if I don't meet the needs of others, if I don't take care of other people, I won't be loved. I won't be taken care of. I won't, you know, Mm -hmm. I won't have any other value. My whole value Mm -hmm. is really in self-esteem, my whole self-esteem is caught up in whether or not I can meet the needs of others. Now that's the dark side of two, right? And the beautiful side of two is pretty, pretty amazing. And we'll get to that too, but, <laughs> but not yet. <laughs> not yet. But just wait. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. So tell me what it's like for you guys. What's, what's, what's two land like? <laughs> it's but Jeff. What do you, you, what? Oh, I mean, come on. Tell us about, being you know, two. there's, so
3: there's a, I, you did not ask me to do this, but in your book, coming back to you in the uh, helper chapter, the two chapter, um, one thing that I really resonated with specifically so I I'm 42 and it's kind of the brink of midlife and you said in the chapter that you're like oftentimes since so I'm paraphrasing oftentimes twos come to midlife and they realize they have to make some decisions or else they may not make it. It's so many words. <laughs> and, I, and I I uh I, and I I went back to that recently preparing to come today and I was like that is exactly how I feel these days. There's been A lovely life that I have. I'm so blessed, so thankful, so happy in a lot of ways. But I am old enough now, finally, to see bad habits that I've had. Everything you just said, Ian, about um, paying attention to the needs of others, ignoring the needs of myself. Um, I married a year and a half ago for the first time. Uh, that of course is <laughs> like holding up a microscope to yourself for someone else pretty much. And my wife is lovely Tara and uh, she's <laughs> a four and so we've worked through a lot of stuff and are still in the good stuff, but um, she's she repeats back to me things she's learning about me being a two. So I I I just I think I love the Enneagram information as much as ever because I really need it as i begin what i perceive to be truly a second half of life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i i look forward to even to learning from you guys in the next couple of minutes just like ways that you're finding to get out of uh, non-self-care habits that you might have gotten stuck in <laughs> it's or maybe maybe you maybe that's tea is drinking wine <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: so you, yeah. you're good aren't you? that's
1: right that's right
4: I'm not presently drinking at right, <laughs> this moment as much as I wish I were. I w-
1: I'm actually kind of wishing your anxious uh, you're anxious chihuahua no- Napoleon was here because I just want to see what that's like. <laughs> I know. You really don't. Okay, so Tia, what about you? What, like, Tell me about what life for you as a Enneagram 2 is like, and how did you come to it? How did you know that this was your space? And-
4: yeah. Yeah, I, well, I thought I was a one for a long time. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I, uh, well, I can I came to know about the Enneagram and to, and to realize being a two through my therapist, which was a wonderful, beautiful process, extremely helpful. Um, but I, you know, I think looking back, of course, knowing what I know now and understanding myself better, um, I think for many years being a two was just exhausting. Hmm. I think I just felt like I was always at work no matter where I was or who I was with. I felt like I was on the clock. Um, but now I've, I believe, come into a much healthier, mature space. I um, like Jeff realizing some things as, <clears throat> excuse me, as I'm, I'm walking into the second half of life and, and it's not as exhausting. And I've learned some things about boundaries. I've learned my tendencies. I'm starting to recognize some of my motives that aren't always what I want them to be. Um, and It's not, it's not so exhausting. It's actually much more gratifying now. You know, Hmm. I I feel like there, I I feel like being a two has almost like immediate returns. Like it can be when you really embrace it. And, and as I'm learning, I mean, I, my role is executive assistant. I'm always in a support role. Always have been. Um, Even with Jeff, we sort of have that relationship. We work on an event together and I, I get to support him. Um, which is great, fun, but
2: which is like no, I'll support you. Yeah, no, yeah. you support it's me. It's true. No. <laughs> it's true. It happens.
4: But no, it's very gratifying because I've found this, you know, space where I get to be me. I get paid for it, mm-hmm. and and it's just every day. It's very gratifying to be able to serve and help and support, and the gratification is like a lot of thank yous, and and I don't question my motives in that. It's my job. Mm-hmm. It's what I do.
2: Right. Right. I have a question about that for you, Tia. Like, do, Because you're able to immerse your two-ness into your work life in a really healthy way, does that allow you health? I'm asking for me, does that allow you healthier boundaries in your personal life and in your relationships personally to be able to exercise some of the healthy boundaries in personal relationships because you're really able to exercise that too, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like
4: I kind of get it out of my system. I'm it, but I in can. a good way. It's right. like, well, I'm paid to do this and <laughs> it's what
2: I want to do in this present yeah. time for this organization. Yeah, person. I still or...
4: find that pretty much, it pretty much, flows out overlaps into all of my life mm-hmm. it's just sort of always there yeah. you know it's not like I get home and I'm I'm like yeah I'm good I've helped enough today <laughs> I mean I come home I have you know I have three kids I come home and, yeah. I, and I and I do the it's same for different. them and, yeah. and just anybody that I interact with but yeah I mean it is very gratifying that way it's not mm. like I've, I feel a sense of uh a deficit there of like I mm-hmm. just don't have enough people to help uh Yeah, but also, I mean, I will say like what you were saying about not wanting to be a feeler. Yeah, I I think that's the other side of two for me is that there are, I can't tell you many times I've been talking to a friend or my therapist or somebody and just said, just like, I don't want to be a two anymore. Can Mm -hmm. I just change, please? (laughs) Yeah, this sucks. I I don't like it. Mm -hmm. And of course the answer is no, uh, not really, but uh, just the feeling part and the the feeling things so deeply. Mm -hmm. Um, There are moments in life where that part is really hard for me.
1: Yeah, so for those of you who are near the Enneagram, Uh, these, these folks, these twos are, first of all, the most interpersonal number of any number on the Enneagram. These are folks who live, eat, breathe, and die over relationships. It's all about relationships, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Secondly, um, these are folks who are exquisitely attuned to the feelings of other people. Exquisitely attuned. So, Let me ask you, I mean, like, I would assume that if you guys came into a room, like even today, let's say we're all, all you came in and the first thing, the first filter that data is coming through about who's in the room and what's going on is through feelings. Like you are picking up on feelings. And if you were a two kind of on autopilot, you you would be out there kind of hustling around and scoping around (laughs) looking for the unmet need that you could meet. Am I, is this... Fairly accurate, or
2: I mean, I think the first thought process for me was, well, one, I knew three of you out of the five of us, and I know myself, right. so there's four, and I realized by you know by the time Skinner and I were talking, I was like, oh, I haven't met Tia yet, and so that was actually like you know I was like immediately perceiving where what you know hole there was that I had not, so maybe that's a mm-hmm. a perceived need at some point is like, oh, well, I don't want you to feel, and I don't ever want anyone to feel left out, you know, to be mm-hmm. excluded. And I certainly don't want to be perceived as excluding anyone, Mm -hmm. you know, so, So, and and others needs over my own at all times. I mean, that's how I discovered I was a two is that I forfeit my needs all the time for a, for what I perceive to be other people's needs, which of course often are not other people's needs.
1: So Tia, this is what, what we're all talking about here is why you sometimes might say to your therapist, I don't want to be a two, right? Mm -hmm. This is the downside, right? Which is this ex, this exquisite attunement to the emotional world of others, not to your mm-hmm. own emotions. That's usually the part that's so hard for twos is they know their own, the feelings of other people so much better than they know their own. Um, but there is when I think when we overwork our particular style, regardless of number, right? It It, it is, it is exhausting. It's depleting. It's life depleting. <laughs> Jeff, you're laughing. What do you going to say?
3: The, so in my early life, as I recall it, um, I, and it's fascinating to me, seeing my early life through an Enneagram 2, I used to say to people, well, from my earliest memories, I just liked to laugh. I was a laugher. I liked to cut up um, and I like to find funny things. And what I believe is actually happening there is it actually was an Enneagram 2 thing to sort of make people uh, to address a sort of emotional space with people happiness and pleasure (laughs) and it kind of was a way of um of turning down pain if there was any pain and kind of upping an experience of lightness in the room and so i i used being i mean i i wasn't getting in that much trouble it wasn't like a little miniature jim carrey or something but but i used humor as a young man particularly as sort of the way to have access to all personalities and I see now, as in Enneagram too, that I really was just trying to read a room and make sure the room was safe and make sure I could begin to learn people quickly through sort of disarming them with humor. Mm. Sure.
2: And I wanted everyone to be safe, no, <laughs> no matter, you know, what it required of me. I remember my dad, I was thinking about when you were talking about how now you've related to some of your... You know, early days as a two. I just actually thought about this. My dad, I remember in eighth or ninth grade, I had a, a close friend who was, parents were going through a divorce or a pretty interesting situation that was difficult and complex and kind of oppressive to the family. And there was another friend going through another distinctive family situation that was negative. And my family I grew up in was fairly stable and as functional as you can be. There was dysfunction in it. And I remember my dad one time at dinner being like, who else you got? Who else are you hanging out with besides these like three or four people who are? And I said, oh, I, I don't know. And I re- thoroughly enjoyed them as people, but I wonder if I enjoyed them because of what I could thought I could offer them. And he warned me then. He said, it is okay to to support people through their circumstances and through their hardships, but you need friends who don't need you. Mm-hmm. Well, and say that again. He said, you need friends who don't need you, who just want to be with you. Wow. <laughs> Wow. And I, did, I was very defensive. Really? Oh, so I mean, I knew he cared for me, but I was also an adolescent, but I didn't have the wider perspective I about myself, I guess. Because I said, well, I I mean, I thought of it in spiritual terms. I thought, well, it's mine to mantle other people's burdens like Jesus did, because I am obviously the Christ.
1: Did you used to use mantle as a verb? Because if you did, I just <laughs> want you know I, I, that just made my day. <laughs> that was fabulous. Yeah. Whatever that was, I liked yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> What rhymes with mantle? We gotta write that down. <laughs> <laughs> That'll sing. Dismantle, which is the other. Part. No, but I think it's it's very interesting, isn't it, that your dad was—I mean, as a therapist, but actually probably as just as a wise father—was able to kind of see your game,
2: right? And and call it out tenderly. He was a tender person, mm-hmm. but there's a lot that—I mean, my defense, I'm sure, was because I felt confronted internally mm-hmm. that I knew that I really was not having any of not even my needs met, but just my desires to be with people and to, it's been the consistent factor. in My dating relationships has been, uh, in fact, my counselor said recently or the, most recently, cause I quit going a year ago, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> noted. <Yeah. laughs> so I'm going to, this is a real good time yeah. to get me for a podcast. Um, <laughs> but, uh, he said, you're really great at extending comfort to others. I don't think you actually have any
1: idea how to receive comfort. Boom. Mic yeah. drop. That is so too, my gosh. <laughs> that inability, that uh, that incredible ability to extend help and have no idea of how even to receive it. Forget, not. it's like, well, I don't even yeah. know what where i don't even have the hands or the mechanism for receiving this
2: right so i mean in his response that was in in my dating relationships was then how can you truly be intimate was like i i've had a history of um in my dating relationships of being cheated on Mm -hmm. and yet being very like being in love with me and wanting to be with me for my whole life or whatever and he we were trying to get to where's the because I was beginning to see well where's the space maybe there's some gap there I'm not realizing and well if I'm if I'm giving comfort this is my assumption or what I inferred from it but I'm not able to truly receive comfort then it's not intimacy Hmm. because I can't allow them to also take care of me, I guess, you right. know? So then there's a gap in the, like, intimacy. And so they're feeling filling that somewhere else without even knowing why, probably. Right. And not wanting to even, but because all I can do is give and not actually receive, there's not a mm. it's not a yin and a yang, you know? It's just a yin or a yang, depending on which I am.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: thank you, though. But, uh, I mean, joking aside, thank you for, for sharing that, because I think that, that would be very, very helpful for some people. And Jeff, you went, mm, mm. <laughs> I
3: I have uh, three BFF uh, guy friends we met in 1993 in August, all like from different states at Belmont University. (laughs) And we've been through every kind of life event. I mean, the kind of things you would if you knew knew someone since you were 18. And we all still live in Nashville, and we all have families of different shapes and sizes and, and so forth now. And we get together, and we have such great history. There's so much history there. When I get together with them, I still wonder... Are they having a good time? Because I'm so sure that I don't have enough to offer to them. Mm. And I believe that is the experience of what you're describing, Andrew, of just like that intimacy. I just have a hard time. I don't doubt that they're having a good time. We'll stay up till midnight laughing and telling stories and smoking cigars or whatever. Um, We've done that for years, for decades. I still wonder the next day, though, Wait, was my one buddy a little off? Was he, is he mad about something? Did I say something? And I'm still working through what it means, just to agree with you, to what it means to absorb intimacy from my, this couple of male friends. And intimacy in general. I'm still a student of what it means to receive because it feels like I'm supposed to give all the time.
2: Mm. Wow. And it feels painful for me to, to realize I'm not able or I'm having to encourage myself to have this space to receive intimacy. That feels very discouraging or disheartening to me that I would, that in my relationships, I consistently, that means I'm closed off somewhere, Mm. you know, and that's the opposite of what I want to be.
1: (laughs) Interesting. So I heard someone say something, Uh, actually it was Beatrice Chestnut and I were, uh, for those who don't know Beatrice, she's a wonderful uh, Enneagram teacher and author. And we were talking one day and about, this notion that each of our types actually, at its core, represents a defense against love. Hmm. It's a defense against love. Now, that would require some con- con- contemplation and conversation to get at it. But I think we, we may be just sort of dancing around that mm-hmm. fire a little bit, which is that at some level the strategy here is both to want and yet to repel love all at the same time. Right. It, it yeah. seems like a very bad joke, for the, <laughs> but it, but I mean, I think it's part of the human spiritual yes. condition. Yeah. Conundrum. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. What are you thinking to you? These are,
4: yeah, I'm relating. I'm relating a hundred percent. I'm just feeling all the feelings. Definitely a bottle of um, wine. No, I, I mean, <laughs> uh, what comes to my mind is this sense, um, Again, and especially in dating relationships for me, of uh, and new relationships, get even even if it's you know just meeting someone new or maybe a new community. Um, even I, I started a new job this week, and it's just you know the that's a lot for me to right. have a whole group of people that I'm facing, you know that I'm that I'm showing up, mm-hmm. you know, and and the thing that comes to mind is like people typically like me. I think I have you know, I've learned how to. How to present myself in a likable way, <laughs> um, but if they really knew me, mm-hmm. if I really let them know me, they probably won't really like me.
2: Completely, Very It's it's always right there <laughs> under the
4: surface for mm-hmm. me. Right.
1: That that, that that sort of imposter syndrome thing? Yes. Yes. Fraud oh, yeah. Fraud. That, that I'm a fraud feeling, <laughs> yes. right?
2: Goodness. Oh, and then I want to create a fraud. Yeah. I mean, it's driven some of my <laughs> addictive behaviors for sure. years yeah. that I would say are not reflective of who I truly am, you know, but for some reason they're persistent, you know. I I mean, maybe I just have an addictive personality, that may be part of it, and that may be something totally different. But I relate very much to what you're saying of if they knew me. And so then I almost create to help. Maybe it's part of that human nature to repel some of the love I want to receive. I create a bit of a uh, an untrue self.
1: Yeah. So that, I mean, this is so relevant, too, because I think, well, I know twos, threes, and fours all share one thing in common, which is the belief that they cannot be loved for who they are. Mm-hmm. Therefore, they project images that they believe will win the appreciation or the admiration or the love or the recognition of the other, right? So for fours, the project, the image of uniqueness and specialness, right? The three of, you know, the the project an image of success and accomplishment. And the two is this usually very cheery, um, upbeat, how can I help you uh, <laughs> adaptive? you know. Twos can be chameleon-like. How do, who do I have to become in order to meet these needs of yours and win your love and approval to have you to hear those intoxicating words come out of your your mouth, which are, I couldn't do life without you. How could I manage life without you? I mean, mm-hmm. twos love to hear mm-hmm. that those kinds mm-hmm. of words. Am I right on
3: that? Or Yes. One, one thing that <laughs> came to mind, Ian, was there's some insincerity that I use pretty much every day to get along. And I can, I am a chameleon. I can get along in a lot of different kinds of circumstances, but I think the dark side of that is I think other people are doing the same thing when they're hanging with me. Mm. Yes. <laughs> and so the very thing that I'm kind of good at is deep down. I'm like, they're probably faking it to me. Yeah. Mm.
1: Wow. So, okay. Um, <laughs> when twos are healthy, they're altruistic givers. They give without any right expectation of a return on investment. Right. It's just like, you know, I'm, uh, I'm going to give uh, without any uh, kind of string attached. Right. Um, do y'all struggle to give that way? Or is it says you're, I mean, cause twos typically do right. They, what they're looking for. What well, do you tell me what you're looking for, but there's always a string attached. People will say about twos.
4: Oh, boy. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, You know, I've actually thought about this a lot and I've struggled with it because, you know, if if this is kind of your shadow side, Mm -hmm. it's very hard to acknowledge it. It's hard to identify it. And I'm like, do I do that? I don't feel like I do that. I probably do that. Mm. But it's hard for me to think of an example, right? Like, I'm sure I do.
2: You mean with strings attached? An yeah, example about
4: of that? yeah altruism and and if yeah. I'm acting in a manipulative or you know in a way it, it, to receive i'm sh- I'm sure I am but I'm not aware of it
1: mm well you're I mean it is an unconscious right. usually it's reflexive unconscious. behavior but can you can so I, any of you guys look at a time where you're like oh I was totally given to get like oh, that I' necessarily fairly a, manipulative
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean well I know we
4: I know in, in some ways um like I struggle with, I, I believe this is a two um, attribute, that I struggle with being alone. I have mm-hmm. a hard time being alone. Feeling lonely. Yes. Feeling lonely is very, very uncomfortable. So if I'm feeling lonely, I'll call someone that I'm close to. You are on my mind. What's up? How are you? <laughs> That's definitely, I, I really am just lonely and I want somebody yeah. to talk to. Oh,
1: yeah. man. But yeah. I want
4: them to think that I'm, and I was thinking about them. I was thinking about how nice it would be if they were there and I wasn't alone. And so I called them yeah. up and I was just thinking think about you. True. How are things, you know?
1: So we have a, a guy, one of my best friends, a therapist, a guy named Michael, and he's a, he's a, he's a two. And every so often I'll get this call and I'll hear, hey, this is be on my voice, but hey man, it's Michael. And I just want you to know, I, I just got up today and I was just thinking about how Awesome it is to be your friend, and I just wanted to let you know I was thinking about you today. And I'll just call him up. I go, "You're fishing. <laughs> What's wrong, right. man? You okay? You're fishing, because yeah. I can tell what he's mm. doing is he doesn't want to come right out as a two and say I really feel like crap today. I'm lonely, or I have needs, or I'm this and that. So I'm just gonna call and, and it's flattery. It's this weird kind yeah. of flattery is. thing. Oh, which is. I think is. we flatter yeah. all the
2: time. So there's a
1: seduction thing. Like, yeah, I'm, totally. I'm getting oh. seduced.
0: Yeah, oh, I even me, do yeah. it with
4: my children. Like, <laughs> uh, if I have some idea in my head of like, oh, maybe I'm not being the best mom I can, I like text them at school. I hope you're having a great day, baby. All right. You know, and then they're like, I am. I love you, mom. And I'm like, oh, good. All is well.
1: Well, the emoji comes, and you're just like, a hit. yeah. All the you know, <laughs> just the a happy emoji comes, and I'm yes, just I'm like. Saying.
4: Life is good. My children love me.
1: Hold on a second. Do you have like the... Okay, we should do like emoticons for different types, like which ones they use. You guys do the one with the kissy with the heart coming <laughs> out of the mouth. Is that, if, is that... If we
4: all were to look I'm up our most recent emojis, yeah, yeah, they would... Right. Yeah, They would They would all be like all happy, be...
1: lovey, and, and well, happy ones? Is right? I actually, have on all my feminine. favorites,
2: yeah, I have no frowny face. <laughs> right. You know the <laughs> favorites, the ones that pull up right away? Are they all like the it's disappointed all, face? It's either... I, I love the black emojis, so it's either like black thumbs ups, okays, it's a little angel. I, I use a <laughs> little angel. Oh, what about the huggy
4: face? With oh, the yeah, hands? yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. 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 When
2: I have no response, so I go to the angel. I just, you know, it is a black angel. I love, it. you know, that, because that's what, you know, serves me well. So anyway, but yeah, probably no. I don't like why would I ever put a frowny face in a right. text? It's never gonna happen.
1: Well, if you're a, f- <laughs> if you're a four
2: on the enneagram,
1: I can give you a lot of reasons. <laughs> I should, I'm actually I'm going into my text right now to figure out how do I find out what emojis I use all the time because this may be the ultimate yeah. enneagram test. Yeah. Is this we've just we just that's a really a book. Co- yeah. a book there. that's kind of cool. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So
3: what do you, what do you, do you have like a well, let me look. Favorite two me seduction just,
1: stories, but how do you, well, how do you just, win love sideways? Yeah, well,
3: look, I got to bring this up Uh-oh. and then we should just talk about this. Okay, let's go. The give to get thing was never more familiar to me and never more early in my life than in the faith context, Ooh. which um, I'm still unpacking my two-ness in the eyes of my loving family who were great, but we had a lot of give to get for God. Yeah. Oh. And honey, and honey, just because this person treats you poorly at school, you're going to treat them very, very well and God's going to pay you back. Hmm. And that <laughs> that will mess you up long term because not because you know, I think it's almost a separate conversation what God's up to. If you believe in God, if we believe in God, if I believe in God. I'm up for that conversation. Maybe we won't have that right now, but The idea that there is uh, sort of a omniscience that's always kind of um, basically balancing out the amount of giving that I was doing. I mean, this is such a familiar thing for me. And Mm -hmm. I'm still figuring out if I'm doing things because I think, well, God's going to pay me back. And it's not healthy because it creates this very transactional relationship with God and i i i am looking for less transactional experiences with human beings right <laughs> like yeah. that's very um, mature
1: so when you say transactional, i mean the give to get thing yes okay yeah
3: um i think it's
2: very accurate i mean it's i i so i didn't grow up with that being taught to me and i learned it well, there we go. you know mm-hmm. so that somewhere came from internally i guess and For sure, like all day long, you know, my belief of like as far as God was skin on is Jesus. So all day long I can say Jesus loves you. But at the end of the day, I mean, I could recite Jesus loves me, but I don't behave as if Jesus loves me. So there is some disconnect. And I think that has a lot to do with, I mean, not feeling worthwhile by any stretch of the imagination, Mm -hmm. which goes back into like the intimacy gap and all that kind of stuff.
3: Yeah. One of the things that I mentioned earlier in this chat together was that I feel like I'm in, entering a second half of life, really with a lot of of deference to my uh, my beloved Enneagram Two community and, and reading up on this. It, it, for me, it's realizing a, sort of what I was saying a minute ago about I need to be more careful about how I think about giving, and and because here's two examples. In my early 20s, this is how Andrew and I met years ago. I was overly involved with this youth group volunteering that I did. And I can see it now very clearly. At the time, though, I just I was like if I will just give and give and give of my time, talents and treasures to this youth ministry at this suburban church and everybody was really cool. I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot. I still have friends from that environment. But but here's here's something that I and I repeated the same thing with a very different kind of church in my 30s. Uh, all the way up until about a year ago was I just kept i I have a tendency to get involved with faith communities and give until I burn out and I am not the guy you want to be around when i 'm burn out
1: what happens <laughs> what happens when you burn out
3: i it's it 's not normal the level i 'm a pretty happy guy, but the level of vitriol that I will feel so deeply I will feel so betrayed <laughs> by church communities <laughs> which i mean. I I, you know I guess people are people no matter where you are but you know hypothetically you're in a church community for some sort of spiritual growth so I don't think it was ever as bad as I felt it was Mm -hmm. I mean the level of demonization I gave to different people by the time because I burned out years ago in my twenties with one faith community took some time off did the same exact thing basically in the last two years and I'm realizing Jeff you you need to figure out this piece of your give nature as a two and put up some boundaries there.
0: Hmm. I don't know what you
3: got. In a, in a yes. sc- in a scenario where
2: it's not encouraged to have many boundaries. I mm. think that's the that's difficulty. Well it is a spiritual community. I mean there is a should be a bigger picture idea to it, but I don't think in our church communities That as a whole, we, one, are very functional, healthy, and therefore helping each other exercise boundaries is not the MO, I don't think. Mm -hmm. So then it takes an extra level of, you know, fortitude or inside encouragement or whatever to be like, to say, to say no, you know, like, I mean, I've been definitely taken advantage of in several situations through churches, through personal relationships mainly, uh, that I didn't even know I was part of, you know, and then um, I'm being manipulated, controlled by people, and they're excusing that because we're in a church setting. And luckily, I do have a pretty healthy father, so I just ask him, and he goes, no. you (laughs) And so then that's where I get my encouragement from hmm. is outside of the church so i think we have to I, and i don't know what that i mean this is a big conversation but i don't know what that has to say about any of that i'm still i still feel a church community a faith community is very vital to my life and my health so there's the both and
1: yeah, yeah. i mean we bring our i mean i don't know, my, my whole thing with it is, is like number one i Whenever someone tells their they're disillusioned with church, I go, that's probably because you walked in with illusions. In fact, you can't be disillusioned unless you had <laughs> illusions at the front end point, you know, about, about human beings. You it's know, good. I mean, your church is as likely to be as screwed up as your condo association. You get five <laughs> people in the same room, yeah. right. right, with competing agendas and right. wounds and yeah. histories yeah. and pasts and triggers yeah. and whatever you call it. Stuff's going to happen, yes, right? Good stuff and not so good stuff. And the problem (laughs) is, is that when you put it into a religious context, it just gets, uh, it's like the whole thing becomes more, uh, you know, flammable. Yeah, Mm -hmm. The possibility of flames breaking out and hurting people Mm is pretty, you know pretty high you know the damage can be pretty high the chance
3: but... to ma- I, and I, I'll say this including my own because I have an, I have had and still have agendas in faith community life right. but the chance to mask that is f- the chance to mask it for the glory of God
1: yeah well so whenever <laughs> toxic spirituality meets type <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. right regardless of whether you know it'll right but we also we have to for me personally I also have to realize um in most situations i'm not talking about abuse situations mm-hmm. but just mm-hmm. normal life weirdness i always have to step back and go how have i been complicit in this re- mm-hmm. in this relationship yeah. gone mm-hmm. bad
4: yeah. you know yes what I mean? like how yeah. has
1: my type been playing this game along with yes. this thing and and not totally. to say oh i'm completely wrong you know i'm i'm all bad it's just to say eh, you know nothing's ever 100 0 it's someone's you know what's no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was my piece PC going Usually on? Usually I didn't yeah. say no a long time ago.
0: <laughs> I was
4: <laughs> right. I was thinking when when you're talking to him and I completely relate like 100%. I used I used to be on staff at a church and it was like I was always at work, if I was at church, I was at work. If I was at work, work I was at work and really got burned out really badly. But I was thinking of the uh, the phrase you can't outgive God. Right. And I like, I feel like twos are like, here, hold my beer. You know, like, or, oh, I need my yes. Bible. Here, hold my <laughs> Bible. Bible. Hold
3: right. my wine. Hold, yeah, my, hold
4: my wine. Because, because.
1: You can't outgive give God. Oh yeah? Hold my beer. Yeah. Yeah. For real. No, I identify with that.
4: You do, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's the name of the episode. Please, here, hold my beer.
2: Yeah, yeah that's it. That is our life. Ooh, is it our is our live. It is. Yeah. Okay,
1: so, all right, so. But, but we, I like to say to people, look, you're, you're not your number, right? These are, how do we get to be who we are? Right. I mean, I, you know, add add on, but I mean, part of it is genetics, it's temperament, it's disposition. I guarantee in all three of your cases, you came into the world predisposed to the spirit of generosity towards others, towards, Mm -hmm. I mean, that attunement's a gift. It's not a, you know, if you're just a normal neurotic, right. I'm not talking about like (laughs) someone who's on, you know, some crazy, I mean, that's a gift. Right. To be able to have that kind of attunement. Uh, And so so we got temperament disposition. Right. Meets early life childhood experiences. Right. Mm -hmm. Meets culture meets blah, blah, blah. And suddenly, you know, personalities start to form and traits start to emerge. Right. Now, the key is, is to learn, you know, what's the best here and like what's me overusing the gift for my own purposes. Like that's the only thing is like, it's like when you run the gift like uh, too hard when you're, when you're just, you're leveraging it, you know, I, I have a superpower, right? <laughs> if you're a one, you got a superpower. It's called improving things. You just, you, everything you see, you know uh-huh. how to improve. That's a superpower. That's a good thing until you overuse it for your own purposes. And then it becomes perfectionism that becomes torturous to you and others. If you're a two- what happens, right? You take the natural gift of giving and helping being attuned to what others need. And then you're like, no, nah, I can use this for my ego's agenda, which is to get my own needs. met." You see how it gets yeah. twisted on itself.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So the key is how do you get healthy and put it back into its right size, into its right slot. So it doesn't take over. Like, how do you do it? Uh, like you, were, you mentioned boundaries. That's one. Well, I think,
4: I think self care has been a big
1: part yes. for me. Oh, so sure. taking
4: like yeah. my need to, help someone or serve someone support someone else so that I'll feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. Just saying, how about if I help and support myself? So I, you know, I mentioned being alone. Um, I mean, I got to the point where I just started taking myself out, you know, like I'm instead of feeling bad that I don't have anybody to spend you know, Friday night with. I just like, okay, I'm gonna date myself, Yeah, you know, and go to a movie, go out. To, yeah. and, and it has been really good for me. And when I'm feeling that sense of like, I need to find, I need to call someone. I need to find something to do that's helpful or, you know, maybe I should be volunteering more. Maybe I wouldn't feel this way if I were, you know, you know, uh-huh. more useful in the world. Um, taking a step back and going, is that really what I need? Mm. Cause I'm doing a lot. Maybe what I really need is to be still mm. um, and, you know, take care of myself. Mm. Maybe I need to help myself.
1: Mm. That's really good. I mean, I think, that is such a important theme for twos, which is for their own healing work, their own transformational work, which is learning how to be alone because you're so interpersonal. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't exist outside of the context of relationship. So if I'm alone, I'm not, there's nobody here. Mm -hmm. You you know, is that, Mm -hmm. I've never said it quite Uh, like that. Is that accurate? (laughs) Yeah.
2: I mean, I think so. I, I, and I think, I don't know if this is how I, combat's the wrong word except it's what I want to use combat that Uh, one thing I mean Tia I don't know if you've heard of this but there's a thing called movie pass and it's only 10 (laughs) bucks a month and you can go to as many movies as you want and I found that to be good for my self-care because I will go a movie is a place I feel safe going alone I don't want to go out to eat alone. I don't want to, but to, for self care, and I love sitting somewhere where I'm engaged, but my mind can suddenly be engaged in a way that's totally focused for a couple hours on something outside of how I can help someone else or whatever's waiting for me outside the theater. Anyway, so you might try to find them as a sponsor, but uh, <laughs> but but receiving for me now. Maybe this is just personality. Maybe this, which would be tied in to my two, right? So you can opine on this, Ian, but. He uh, said he also
1: used the word opine, opine a bit. And he did it with that beautiful, genteel, southern accent. Opine. Opine. Continue. Mantle. Opine. <laughs> <Yes>.
2: <laughs> that could be the title. Mantle, comma, opine. Um, but to receive what people are saying about me. There are three instances I can think of in my life uh, that, uh, at least in my recent life, the last 10 years, that have been some the, the that where I have actually listened to the encouragement or to what was said about me. One actually was something you said one time. You won't even remember it. Uh, one was something Cindy said one time, and another was our mutual friend Patsy. Huh. So to be able now it takes certain people for me to be able to hear that or maybe be in a zone to hear it. But I screenshotted that text. I saved that note. You know, in a, in a special place where I can access it because I believe them. For some reason, I believe them, even though I don't believe most everyone else. I believe them, and so I can go back and read that and trust it, and then begin to maybe see myself, not outside of myself, but maybe just internalize that in a way that's where I can trust that it's true and not continue to prove that it's true, but just trust that it's true.
1: Right. Wow, that's 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 great. I mean, that's, that's beautiful. I, I was wondering... Knowing Cindy, our mm-hmm. these friends of ours, and and Patsy, and what I'd love at some point, you know, to even to to sit mm-hmm. and wonder what was it about the voice of what what was the commonalities that 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 made tumblers drop or let let a door open for you that rarely opens. So I'd just love to that might be really interesting to. I can tell you to, one thing. I don't know. We're not going. We're, we're all short. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Me too. Um, th- there are people. In that context, and actually in every context I've experienced with them and with you, there has never been something they were waiting for on the other side of that encouragement or compliment. Mm. It's just never been a part of the MO of our relationship. So then when something, neither do they over, neither is it excessive, this like constant, not trying to build me up or whatever, but yeah, they there was nothing waiting on the other side of that and that makes it ultimately trustworthy you know? mm-hmm. so, or it makes it believable. At least it's true for them.
1: Well, it was so, so you perceived it and experienced it. And, and rightly so probably is, this is not transactional there's, this is just, Mm-mm. this is just, uh, maybe that's what a blessing is. When people talk yes. about someone offering another person, a blessing, the blessing is given without any expectation. In fact, a, a return would almost be an offense. Yes. It would almost be offensive. If you gave someone a blessing and they felt, the other film, Yes, bruh, compelled to
2: return it, and that's us. Like I will end the text conversation. You know, you keep saying something nice. I'll be like, and what I see in you, <laughs> well, what I see, well, what I see in you. You know, I'll get that last edge in there. I had no responses to any of these. It was, it was fantastic.
3: <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> you, you don't have to. Like just today, just today, a friend who is sort of. In his in his pond and even in my pond, he's kind of a big deal. He's kind of a bigger fish, and I respect him. I respect him as a friend, but I respect his success. Mm-hmm. And he texted me a compliment, and I was like, "Oh, I... okay, good. I got one." And I finally sent him something <laughs> perfectly funny back, and I was like, "Whew, that was close."
0: <laughs> I'm yes, that's not how it's supposed to but be. But I feel that he need.
3: was just trying to give me yeah. a compliment about something. He wasn't looking for me to make him laugh back, but I, that's what I. Was saying. Oh
2: yeah, because if I just said thanks. Right. That's cold and heartless. Right. Thanks. <laughs> you know, like I always had trouble saying thank you. You know, like I remember my dad too being hmm. like he heard me one time deflect someone's gratitude for my gift being expressed that evening. And he said, it would be really good for you to learn to just say thank you and hear what they say. And you know, of course I was like, screw you, Dad.
1: <laughs> but, well, all in favor of all of us wanting to know Andrew's dad very sure How many of us would like to have Andrew's dad? Richard, yes. So far I'm
3: in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully he's on Talkspace. I'll find him somehow. Yeah, yeah, he probably, probably is. <laughs> I hope he's on Talkspace, He's retired com.
1: from his practice. He's
3: been busy lately. Maybe yeah, that's very good. Nice. Yeah, totally.
1: I've been sending him people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Give me the website. I'll work him right now. <laughs> Holy smoke. That's awesome. We're gonna start a whole new company It's called Andrew's dad. (laughs) Dad's
2: (laughs) totally. So you'd have a lot of signs right away. Oh my gosh! Some
1: people are just like that. But so here's the thing for you all: what has been milepost, signpost along the way on a journey from unhealth as a two being asleep, lost in this personality fixation, this habit of mind of always thinking about what other people need and needing to meet the need at the expense of your own. Uh, we haven't even hit on pride yet, right? <laughs> the, <laughs> oh, the, the sort of that darker side of the need to be indispensable uh, to perceive oneself as. In... I an... Mean, but what are the markers of like? Oh man, I'm growing, and how you know? I'm just curious. What are the markers
3: for you? Well, one thing comes to mind. It's it's just embarrassing. Uh, but you know, as a as a giver, I'm giving this away. <laughs> I moved twice in the last eighteen months. Part of it was marrying, and they were they were they were happy moves in a sense. I was kind of uh, moving up, <laughs> moving on up, and um, um, but part of that was having to look in boxes I hadn't looked in in several years. Some of which included old journals. I looked at journals from junior high school, yeah. and I'm not like I, I'm not somebody that writes every day, but I used to keep somewhat regular writing and I like I'm an expressive person I like to express and writing was something I had kind of just stumbled on but, but the, the thing that I want to say that's kind of a marker for me is I notice how in my old self talk um, from back when I was like 10, 11, 12 years old all the way up to, until about five years ago it was a real fixation on Lord I've sinned again and I've done this and that that just weren't according to, you know, Colossians 3. Well, you know, <laughs> I, had, yeah, I had been around a lot of fundamentalist uh, Christianity in my early life. So I was used to thinking about myself as, you know, this sinner, saved by grace, but still a sinner. A lot of, uh, of the, um, the machinations of just, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm covered in the blood of Jesus, but I'm, I, uh, I, wow, I have a sin nature. And so maybe this is the answer you're looking for, Ian, but a lot of it is, um, hey, that is not constructive, Jeff. And I kid you not. I I in more recent years, so anyway, I went back through that stuff. I now see you know with the, with the the um, the luxury of time that wow, you know, there's other frames to look at my spirituality through that are way healthier. And there's ways of focusing on the positives. Uh, I'm you know, we can, we can springward into to the pride conversation whenever is appropriate, but I, I probably, and I think just hearing Andrew and Tia's talk, I probably could use at times a little more pride a, a, to believe it or not, a little more mm. ego. I probably have been so used to not feeling that great about myself <laughs> for most of my life. Oddly enough, I could probably use mm-hmm. a little bit of, um, gutsiness or, uh, I don't, I don't way, Ways of believing in myself.
1: Okay. Cool.
4: Yeah. I think there's a habitual minimizing mm. that happens. That's a great phrase. Um, for me, one overdeveloped sense of responsibility while at the same time minimizing my impact hmm. on mm. others and which is very frustrating. So we because can you're, not it's like you're, Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's like one step up and two steps back constantly, constantly. Like I did this, I felt good about it except I probably could have, you know, been more altruistic about it what, uh-huh. yeah I think and 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 what you what you said and I'm, I'm hearing in my own in my own context is you know I just got really tired of beating myself up I got really tired of disliking myself and and of course there were life circumstances situations I went through a divorce I I found an amazing therapist I started reading uh, uh, Richard Rohr and Brene Brown and and got exposed to the Enneagram there were a lot of pro- you know in that journey there was a lot that happened um But at some point, uh, you know, I think the words resonate when it comes to the whole minimizing was, you know, speak to yourself like you would someone you love. And I find that, you know, so much of the time I am speaking to others in such a loving, affirming, always wanting to build them up kind of a way. But then when I when I hear that from someone, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I might say to someone, I wish you could see yourself the way I see you. And then just to turn those words around and be like, that's what other people are feeling about you. And you minimize and you don't accept it or maybe you accept it and say thank you, but Mm -hmm. you don't actually believe it.
2: Receive it, yeah. You know, Mm -hmm.
4: I really identify with your story Mm -hmm. about the friends. So, yeah, I mean, that has all been a part of that journey Mm -hmm. of just kind of being like, I don't want to live that way anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. this is a gift. Being me is a gift. And I want to live my life as if I believe that. Mm
1: I don't want to live that way anymore. That's, the, I think, I mean, I just think that's, you know, that's that in AA, we would say sure. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yes. And every type would have a different version of what sick and tired looks like, mm-hmm. you know, but it's the worst and best moment. If it's mm-hmm. a safe bottom, if you bottom out safely, it's the best, is right. the best thing, you know, mm-hmm. in the world is to kind of reach that point because something's got to go or someone's got to go, um, to go forward.
2: I mean, listening to Jeff and Tia, I think like, uh, I think I'm still in the maturation process, you know, and, uh, still figuring out some of that. Of course, I know it's a lifelong figuring out, but, um, I think just this kind of, I had a hit on my self-esteem I felt like in college I don't remember growing up having confidence issues, or I had. I felt like in general I had decent friend groups. I was well liked. I liked others. I was accepted by my peers, uh, but there was some messages coming from very, very early on, and some uh, some kind of some childhood abuse that was disco- that I guess I rediscovered in my twenties, uh, if you will. That. Maybe was feeding some of this and had been under current like maybe once I got out of I had such a stable household growing up that that might have just kept me in the balance. Mm. And then when I got out of that stability, and was left to my own constructs, there weren't really a lot of constructs. So Uh, my self-esteem plummeted and I had no idea what was going on. You know, like, why do I suddenly feel this way in relationship to everyone? Mm -hmm. And so for me, it is constantly coming back to place. When you're talking about your spiritual journey, Jeff, there's real poignant things there as far as like, believing that I was created good, you know, that is where I'm trying to live from. Mm -hmm. Believing that I was created good, Mm -hmm. you know. And so what that might do for my um, entire life and certainly what it might do for not only the way I interact with myself, but I'm so concerned about how I interact with others. What would that do to how I interact with others? If I really, you know, internalize that and mm-hmm. live from that. So it's a spiritual thing for me, but, uh, is it's, it's a constant reminder and, and, You know, you're talking about be still and be alone and take care of ourselves. I think all that's feeding into that, you know, like that message of Mm -hmm. I'm created. Okay. Mm. No improvements needed. At least not today. (laughs) 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 I mean, there is, of course, there's lots of improvements, (laughs) but you know, like today I'm good.
1: Right. And to live in that. I mean, yes, I think that's a. To think the I, mean, I think the Buddhists are on one thing for sure <laughs> among other things i mean i, I mean i i actually actually i mean i really I have a profound appreciation I've done so much study in in that in the realm of sort of mm-hmm. particularly Tibetan Buddhism because I think we have so much as people of another tradition to really learn in that space, mm-hmm. but one of them is this uh you know this notion of compassion and self compassion mm-hmm. uh which is not you know, this sort of therapeuticized kind of term. It, it, it really has to do with uh, wanting, uh, <laughs> recognizing that we suffer. Everybody is suffering. We all, and, and I would say that not like physically suffering or, you know, it, it necessarily. It, it can just mean like the word dukkha in, I think in Buddhism, and one way to translate would be feeling not at home in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and I think each type has a way of not feeling at home in the world yeah. and you all are describing you know, as twos what it's like to n- not feel at home in the world as a result of you know this constellation of traits and behaviors and thing and that makes us feel ashamed which is the word we haven't used yet but that's flown around in this conversation <laughs> uh-huh. right uh and gotta go yes gotta go Whoa, that shame has gotta go uh and 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 yet so there's that feeling of not at home in the world we, we 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 have these strategies to try and feel more at home and to find our place to, our way of being and but what are we looking for the buddhists are right i don't care what the christians say about this the buddhists <laughs> are right we just want to be happy it's just that simple and i don't know why christians go no joyful i go shut up <laughs> it's like seriously like, come on, you know, that happiness depends on circumstances. It's like, oh my God, seriously,
0: Yeah.
1: people want to be happy. It's not Freud saying pleasure principle. I'm just saying people want to feel at home in the world. Mm-hmm. They want to love themselves. They want to feel at home in their own skin mm-hmm. and enjoy this, this world of ours. I mean, I don't think there's anything that's terribly wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, as a four, I have systems that in my pursuit of that end, actually work against my finding it. <laughs>
2: so it's, it's fighting against our instinct, right? Because I think our instinct yep. is to enjoy what has been given to us. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, you know.
1: man. It's so much about, isn't it so much about just learning to stop and surrender? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, right? Like yeah. give up the game. Yeah. Like give up our mm-hmm. games. Yes. But mm-hmm. Someone was about to say something about the milestones on the journey. Anybody? Y'all got one? Another one? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to make you all look at each other and go, wait a minute, we need to satisfy that need immediately. <laughs> yeah, Somebody say, say something. You. He has a need. And none of that. us
2: are punting. We're all right. Like,
1: uh, <laughs> Someone yell, got it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't leave them hanging. I know. I know. Uh. All right. So you know, if you were to help a 25 year old two who's just starting to realize, oh, I'm a two, you know. Like, what would you tell them? How do you start to disidentify with those aspects of two that are unhealthy? Because we don't want you to throw out your giving nature. We don't want twos to throw out the best part of being helpers and givers. when they're, Because like when they're giving without any self-interest and it's just from a, an open heart, it's just for you all, that's like just natural stuff. It just comes... <laughs> It's just when it gets tainted with all the ego, it's it all when it gets into the pesto of all the ego kind of, tri- you know what I mean. It's all hard to get it off. All each, but the point is like like what would you tell that that twenty five year old, which is all of us, right? Um, what they might do to become the healthiest two they can be.
4: So I have something immediately that comes to mind, right. and I just it just occurred to me that I'm completely ripping it off from the lyrics to the Sleeping at Last Two song. Oh, right, Ryan's song. But it was the first thing that came to my mind, so I think it's just I identify with that song so much. Right. Um, of course. Put on your own mask first.
1: Ooh. Say that again.
4: Put on your own mask first.
1: Mm. Mm. Pretty powerful, right? Since twos and threes and fours, they are the expert mask makers um (laughs) trying to win the appreciation of the love of others through this projected image yeah yeah. all right great
3: I'll just um attempt to say something interesting or wise uh if I had even just myself a 25 year old probably as far as I should probably try to reach uh (laughs) but I would say bro um you don't, you don't have to uh, worry so much about um, finding sort of like religious environments that will kind of use not use you in a positive way, but use that part of you that that is a giver. Maybe just be careful, be very careful with religious environments and your your predisposition to give because. But even the most um, well-meaning religious environment is probably not going to end well, <laughs> uh, unless you're unless you really have some boundaries set up, and maybe instead of uh, the ego part of you, Jeff, uh, that wants to kind of use the r- religious sphere to maybe maybe um, see the world, m- maybe just allow yourself to speak to yourself about what spirituality is. I'm not saying there's no other truths to be found out beyond yourself. There's probably some really great ways to slow down and allow yourself to give to yourself instead of using that third-party religious environment that may not be perfectly attuned to to what you need.
1: Mm. Good word. You, you've actually just triggered about a million thoughts. I have like minnows, like scared minnows <laughs> blown around oh my, my brain right now running in a million directions because just think about it twos in particular in religious communities that it may be the most susceptible vulnerable number in, r- in religious communities that, but... um i just hadn't really even thought of it that way until just now that y- y- y'all may be the most susceptible to a particular kind mm-hmm. of uh mm, abuse maybe too strong a word but getting into a, a dance
3: i'm uh, so attracted uh, you know. to, per- to big personalities I mean, why do you think I'm here, Ian? Um, I mean, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, want you I to thought laugh. it was for Napoleon the Chihuahua. <laughs> I <didn't>, I, <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm so attracted to charismatic, uh, big personalities, m- 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 man or woman. It doesn't. I just interesting people uh, that I just find I want to give into that and mm-hmm. find, and man, just because religious communities are made up of human beings. Uh, great things and not so great things all at once uh, I mean it's what you're saying I, 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 I have a predisposition to lose myself in that and, uh, under the banner of well I'm, I'm doing it ultimately for the Lord
0: mm, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> It
3: can get dark so. yeah
1: oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah it sure can mm.
3: yeah Whew.
0: Yeah. All
1: Lord. right. No, no, that was great, man. No, I think you're. I think you're talking to a yeah. lot of people. Yeah. Don't don't I don't, that. I agree talk, with don't, that. don't feel like that was a disservice to you or to anybody yeah. else. Yeah. Um, and
3: I
2: think the Lord is like the Lord has many faces for twos. I know? appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to find the real one. Mm-hmm. You know, as we were thinking about what we would tell, as I was listening to y'all, what you would tell a 25 year old, to, and I was thinking, visualizing a 25 year old that I know. You know and what I have said to him on several occasions because there's a lot of striving in a lot of different ways and I he may be a he may not be but there's a lot of that quality in it and the only thing I can that I the thing I keep being compelled to say to him is that I love you and that requires nothing from you and it's attached to nothing for me I love you and you are loved Like just that blank, you know, that foundational thing, which I I believe is the story of the God, the true story of the gospel. And so then I hear what you're saying, that all of the stories that are patterned through these numbers are in opposition Mm -hmm. to that, or at Mm -hmm. least are resistant of it, because that's the, that's the true
1: story.
0: Mm.
1: Well, on that note, thank you. All of you, Jeff, you. Tia, Andrew, what a what a treat! I mean, I could just keep going here on this. And, uh, You're a but, treat. Oh, I'm gonna end that text. That was very. T- <laughs> <laughs> did y'all see that too at work? people? Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen. Before I head off, did I mention Talkspace? you did i did there's more tell me you could say more though i could right (laughs) because there are 1500 therapists online therapists at talkspace.com from which in of those 1500 therapists jeff you can find the perfect match for you who can help you grow into your healthiest version of two to become your healthiest giver and if you're a typology listener and you're interested in a special offer from talkspace you go to talkspace.com forward slash typology that's talkspace t-a-l-k-s-p-a-c-e.com forward slash typology t-y-p-o-l-o-g-y and take advantage of all they have to offer those good people at talkspace the online therapy company again you guys thank you you rock i love this
4: thank you so Thanks, much
1: ian
2: you rock <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Perfect. <laughs> and in closing, my friends, remember the words of the great Oscar Wilde Be yourself. Everybody else is already thinking.